How's everybody doing today? You good? Yes. The weather has got us feeling good. We've got donuts. We've got juice. So this should be the best morning ever energy-wise. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And uh, let me give a shout out to uh, one person and a group of people. Last Sunday, I was not able to be here, but I heard that Capes and Candy was absolutely amazing. So if you served in our kids' area at all, and all morning long, you were running around chasing dragons and princesses and demons, literally demons. I mean, if you did that, you hit a home run, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for serving. It was just a great day for our community. Over 1,200 people were here last Sunday morning, and you did well loving them and serving them like you do every single Sunday. And the, uh, the next shout-out that I want to give is to our senior pastor, Scott Rambo, who brought the word last week, and I heard he hit a home run, unlike the Astros, but he did... Is it too soon? Is it too soon? It's just too soon. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. He scored a touchdown and did incredibly well, as usual, wrapping up our series. And so I love him. He's a great friend and a great boss as well. So last Sunday was awesome for us. And I think this Sunday will be just as awesome as we start a brand new series that we're calling Bridge of Hope. I want to start by asking you one question. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? If you had to write down one word, one phrase, what is it that when your name came up in a social gathering, your name came up at the office and you weren't there, your name came up at the, uh, the, the parent meeting, wherever it is in the circles you run in, when your name came up, what would be the one thing you would want people to say about you? They're honest, she's kind, um, he's generous, um, he's such a great leader. Um, man, she is such an amazing, amazing president of our company. Um, it, she is just so kind to everyone around us. What would be the one thing you would want people to say about you? Okay. Now, odds are you have something in mind you want people to say about you. Maybe even your family. If you had like another category, you know, what would you want your spouse to say about you or your kids to say about you? So there's something that comes to your mind pretty quickly, I would bet. This one, this question is going to be a little bit harder for you to answer, and that's this. What are you known for? That one's a little bit tougher because you don't know what everyone else would say. Now, maybe after, the, maybe after today in this series, you can anonymously find out what people are saying about you, go incognito at work or something. But what are people saying about you? Now, for every individual in the room, for every corporation, for every organization, there is a gap that exists between those two things. What do I want to be known for, company? What do I want our company to be known for? What am I known for? Or what is our company really known for? There is a gap. The closer you can get those two things together, the sooner you can find this word that we all want, and that's purpose that you start living your life on purpose. So what you want to be known for and what you are known for, they come into alignment. Now, again, there's always gonna be a gap because we're not perfect. No organization is perfect. But there's just this, this place you wanna live that what you want in your life and what you want said about your life when it's all done is exactly what people are saying about your life right now. That's purpose. It's significant. Your life is counting. There's meaning behind what you do. But when there's a massive gap, gap. It's just like we wander around helpless. It's like we, we, we don't have purpose. We don't have an aim in 
life. We wake up going, man, we got to do the same old thing over again this week. And you just kind of feel like you're spinning your wheels in life and that there is no meaning, there's no significance and no purpose. Well, that's what this series is about is how can we, as a people, not just a church family, because we're going to talk about that as well, but how can we as a people, you as an individual, you as a family, close that gap to live on purpose? Now, when we talk spiritually, you need to understand that when Jesus came into the world, he came into a system where they wanted to be known for one thing, the religious system, but they were actually known for something else. The gap was massive. Uh, you had religious leaders putting rules and weights and, and this religious system on people that was creating a gap for them. You're talking about not having purpose. Man, they weren't even living. They couldn't live. There were too many rules, too many rituals, too many, you got to do this, too many, you can't do this. And it's still that way today, by the way, in Jerusalem. I've been three times hoping to go uh, in 2021. But even when you go now, there is a rule that says on the Sabbath day, God has said, don't work. So when you go to Jerusalem to, uh, on a Saturday, this, their Sabbath day, there are elevators that are automatic. You want to know why? Because if you got on an elevator and did this, that's work. And God wouldn't like you working on a Sabbath. When you go to Jerusalem on a Sabbath to this day, whenever you would come to stairs in your hotel, they put down a platform on the Sabbath. You want to know why? Because you can walk up a platform. You just can't do this on a stair because that's work and God wouldn't like work and you don't want to disappoint God. This is the system that Jesus came in. They had a law that if a chicken laid an egg on the Sabbath, you couldn't eat the egg. You want to know why? Because the chicken worked. You think I'm making this up. I'm not making this up. Go look it up. If you spit on the Sabbath, you can't spit on dirt. You want to know why? Because your spit would make mud on dirt and that's work. Now listen, this is the mentality that Jesus came into. This is the world he arrived in that they really believed that this is what it took to please God. These are the rules you had to keep to make God happy. And if you broke one of his rules, he didn't love you anymore. You were out. Out of the system, out of the family, out of the church. Out, you are completely an outcast if you didn't keep his rules. Oh my heavens. And then the rules you did have to keep. Now, I know this is nothing like churches in today's world, right? If you were to ask someone, what is the church known for? I'm telling you this. They would be able to tell you what it's not known for, the more than what they are known for. And what most people might say is, oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, all they want some money. They're so judgmental. Man, I'm just telling you. And it might go off. They just, oh, what are the rules of a church? Oh, it's simple. You don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. They'd come up with all kind of rules and rituals and... He's just like, you don't miss. You don't miss mass. Oh, what happens if you miss mass? I don't want to find out. I mean, he's just like, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. And then Jesus shows up. <laughs> and when Jesus shows up, he flipped the whole system over. And he was basically showing everyone, it's not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's not about a religion. It truly is about a relationship with the God who made you and the God who loves you. So he would walk around doing things that you were never supposed to do. He would walk around when you read in Matthew, he would walk around on the Sabbath and he would heal a crippled man on the Sabbath. How dare him heal somebody? You give this guy life, but you did it on the Sabbath. That's wrong. 
and then he'd teach about that. What's more important, a person or a rule? When you read chapter, uh, Matthew chapter eight and nine, it's just a list of one person after another person of who he had compassion for, who he loved, who he showed grace to. Um, you, you talk about a Roman centurion soldier whose servant was sick and he begs Jesus, would you please just say a word? You don't even have to go see him. I believe there's something special about you. There's something powerful about you. You and God are tied in somehow, some way. Just say one word and I know that by your word, my servant would be healed. Jesus says a word. You got to imagine and you got to know that the people around him, the Jews, are looking at Jesus going, you just did that for a Roman guard? The Roman guard who are killing our people? You just did that for a Roman soldier? And Jesus is like, I don't follow people's rules. I love people. When you keep reading, there's a crippled man. And Matthew sitting beside the road and his only hope was just to beg, hoping that someone would put money. Jesus comes along, heals him. Uh, there, there's a, a girl whose parents uh, uh, had begged Jesus to come because their little girl was actually dying. Takes her last breath. Jesus shows up, brings her back to life. There's this lady in the book of Matthew who for 12 years had a physical bleeding condition. And when you read the text, she had gone to every doctor. She had spent all of her money on medication trying to get well. And with one touch, she is healed in a moment. She gets her life back. You read about a man in Matthew chapter 9 that had leprosy. We don't understand this. We have cure for leprosy now. There's no cure, there's no hope. There's no getting back into your family, coming back to church. If you had leprosy, you went to live outside the city in a leprosy colony and you would just wait to die. Jesus heals him. In every one of those situations, in every story you read in Matthew, it's just one story after another story after another story after another story where they all had something in common. Every single person was hopeless. No hope. Zero hope, no chance. Life is over, Red Rover, Red Rover, ain't nobody coming over. The game is done, you're done. Jesus constantly stepped into hopeless situations and gave people hope. And when you read in the book of Matthew, by the way, the guy who wrote the book of Matthew in your Bible, he wasn't just a sinner, sinner. That's how you say it if you grew up in church. Sinners. He actually had his own lower category because he was such a bad sinner. He was a tax collector. And not only was he a tax collector, he had a lower standard than that. He was a chief tax collector. Oh, sinners were better than tax collectors. When a Pharisee in the day, which was a religious leader, when he would pray, he would thank God that he wasn't a tax collector. Jesus shows up. His name's Matthew. He looks at Matthew one day and says, you want life? You want purpose? I'm going to your house and you're going to throw a party for all of your friends. And you're about to experience life. That's the guy who's writing this. So Matthew starts following Jesus and he's just writing these stories going, you wouldn't believe this guy. I'm just telling you, you won't believe what he did. You won't believe what he did to the marginalized, those who are outcasts. He's just, he's just giving them life and hope and love. And here's how it's written down. Here's how Matthew wrote it down in chapter nine, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I love that. It says Jesus went 
First of all, he just didn't stay, but he actually went and walked and talked to the people in every single village. And it says that he actually preached the good news. You want to know why? Because wherever Jesus is, it's good news. Wherever Jesus shows up, it's good news. When no one else shows up, but Jesus shows up, that's good news. He is good news. And in this, in this one verse, Matthew is writing this going, I'm just telling you, he's changing the game. He's changing the game. He's changing the game. It's not about religion. It's not about, it is truly about this man named Jesus Christ who has every answer that every single one of us needs. That's what it's about. And when Jesus showed up, he showed up for two reasons. Number one, to really show everyone this is what living is like. It's not the system. You think it's the system, but it's not the system. I'm just telling you, it's not. The other reason he showed up was he showed up to show us what God was like. His whole life was about telling you, here's what God really thinks. Here's what God really values. I know what you've heard. I know what you might believe, but here's what God is really about. It's his mission. This is his heart. If you want to know him, just watch me. If you want to know what he would say to people, just watch what I say to people. You want to know what he thinks about those who have messed up horribly, you just watch how I treat those same people. You just watch and you will discover the heart of God. This is why as a church, we want to do good. Do you like the new Do Good shirts, by the way? We do them every year. It's awesome. You can get yours today for the low price of $20. Now, really pick one up. I'm not kidding when I say that. Um, everything goes to our Do Good ministry. And what I love about this series, Bridge of Hope, is I'm going to share with you over the next three weeks what we're doing good in this world, not only in this city, in our community, but also around the world. One of our partners uh, that we've partnered with, we actually go to Haiti. We have been going to Haiti for years and years and years and years. There's one community in Haiti that we've actually gone to, Shadrach, that we have gone to, and we've been able to kind of back out of that one a little bit because they become self-sustaining. We've gone in, helped with water. We've helped with food. We've helped with education. Uh, one, uh, one community we've gone in was actually deaf, and we found someone at the bridge. We go, oh, you know sign language? Let's go. So we've been able to partner with them. Going to Haiti has radically transformed the communities we're working in in Haiti, but also those of you who have gone. And you know this because you come back with stories going, oh my gosh, let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what God did. This is the craziest story. And you have stories to share for the rest of your life. So for some of you, you need to go to Haiti. And you're like, I don't need to go to Haiti. God doesn't want me in Haiti. I would mess up what God's doing in Haiti. Just trust me. God can use you to make a huge difference in Haiti with what we're doing there and the relationship that we have. Jesus, it says Jesus went. And when Jesus went, he also did something else. Here's what Matthew wrote down in verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, and can I add the word hopeless? Like sheep without a shepherd. The word saw when Jesus saw, it doesn't mean he just looked at them. The word saw means he understood. That's what the word means. That when he saw them, he had sympathy. He had empathy because he understood what they were like and how helpless and hopeless that their life really was and their families and their marriages. And it says not only that he saw the crowds, but it says he had compassion. The word compassion is bowels. <laughs> You go, well, I'm glad they didn't tran translate it that way. He had bowels on them. That would be weird. But the word compassion, that's what it means. It means that he felt something deeply within him. He saw the community. And when he saw them, he just kind of stopped and he felt what they feel. 
He saw what they were going through and there was something in him that had to get involved. The way I wrote it down was this, real compassion produces action. Real compassion always produces action. Whenever Jesus had compassion on someone or for someone, you always see him going the one more step and doing something about their situation. And the reason, why in the world would he get involved? Why in the world would his compassion lead to action? Here's why. Because you get to certain points in your life where you need something, and that something is hope. You need hope for your future. You need hope for better relationships. You need hope for your family. And you need hope for your faith. We all get to those points in our life. Listen, you can live for weeks without food. You can live for days without water. You can live for seconds without air, but you cannot live without hope. All of us need hope. I I wrote down some things of what hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. Man, I'm just hoping tomorrow will be better, right? You ever say anything like that? I hope so. Man, you think that's gonna happen? I hope so. It's just wishful thinking is all it is. That's not hope. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not optimism. Optimism is, you know, psychological, right? If, if all this happens and in this scenario, then this should work out. And so I'm placing my hope in the situation and the circumstances is going to work out. When we talk about hope, we're talking theological. We're not talking about psychological. We're talking about a person. His name is Jesus. He is hope. So hope is not just wishful thinking. Oh, I hope so. Hope is not just optimism of, you know what, it should all work out. This is exactly how it should work out. And I wrote this down. Hope is not just positive thinking either. I hope so, I hope so, I'm gonna change my thinking. You know what positive thinking is? Positive thinking is putting trust in you of what you can do. My question, has you ever let you down? By the laughter, I'm gonna go with a yeah for all of us. That's not hope. That is positive thinking. (laughs) Hope is you're not putting trust in you. Hope is you're putting trust in the God who made you and that because he's proven himself faithful in the past, he's going to prove himself faithful in the present and faithful in the future no matter what comes your way. Optimism and positive thinking can actually live outside of reality, by the way. Oh, you know what? Things aren't that bad. It's going to all work out. Oh, things are going to get better. Just trust me. Just, things are going to get better. Hope says, oh no, it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. But I know what God has said. And he's promised never to leave me. Everyone else may feel like they're leaving me, but he's promised never to leave me. And my hope is in him. He made some promises. He's going to come through on these promises. So my hope is in him. My hope is not in a circumstance. My hope is not in a situation. You want to know why? Because we live in such a broken world that everything around us is broken. You notice that everything is leading toward decay, not life. If you, if you don't believe that, look in the mirror. Physically, you can try all you want. Put the money in it, baby, but it's just going down. We live in a broken world. Everything's broken. The economy, broken. The government, broken. And that goes for both sides. It's all broken. What happens when we live in a broken world where everything is broken? Let me tell you what happens. Broken lives, broken marriages, broken families, and broken dreams. That's why you don't need hope for just right now. 
And you don't need hope for tonight because you might die. You need hope because you're going to wake up and you need to live. That's why you need hope. That's why I need hope. Matthew is writing as a tax collector who was a hopeless guy writing going, I'm just telling you, the hope is not in a situation. The hope is not in a lottery ticket. The hope is not in a person. The hope is in Jesus Christ. That's where your hope can lie because he's faithful. And what he said he's going to do, he's going to do, and you can count on it. He is truly faithful. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 Here's what Jesus says. So Jesus said to his disciples, after looking at the crowds, after having compassion on the crowd, he's looking at the crowds, and then he turns around in this moment to tell his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, man, there's just so few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, here it is, to send out. Jesus went, so you, you pray, God, send us out. God, send us out. Just like I went, send us out. Send out workers into his harvest field. I don't know if last Sunday you were able to go through our Do Good Fair in the cafe area, but it was just amazing from what I hear. Kurt uh, Lawson, our Do Good director, just, I mean, so good at setting that whole thing up. My wife was able to go through it, and she came home saying, man, there's so many things we're doing as a church I didn't even know about completely. And there's one uh, uh, ministry organization that we actually partner with called FAM. It's an amazing organization with what they've accomplished just over the past nine years that they've been into existence. I mean, the numbers are almost staggering what they're doing around the world, specifically in northern India, which is where we've partnered with them. We have a group of people uh, from this theater going to northern India next month, be gone for about seven or eight days, and Kurt will be on that trip as well. My wife said she was talking to the, the, um, uh, the director of FAM who was here last Sunday, and maybe you stopped by and you talked as well. And when my wife stopped, he was telling her that the leading cause of death for women in northern India is suicide. They're completely hopeless. As a matter of fact, when I looked it up, when you consider all of the world's numbers, statistics of suicide, Indian women take one-third. Hopeless. Hopeless. Arranged marriages, a caste system, hopeless. So he looked at my wife and he said this, that's why it's such a huge deal for a woman to go on these trips because they invite you into their home and you're looking at a woman who has no hope and you're able to tell her, oh my gosh, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about a man who loves you just for who you are. Let me tell you about a man who will redeem you for all of eternity. Let me tell you about a man who has grace for you. Let me tell you about a man who has purpose for your life. And as a woman speaking to another woman, you just breathe hope into her. A hopeless community, hopeless people. And what our team will do next week is they will go and it's called Compassion Kits. <laughs> Where'd we get that word? Oh yeah, Jesus. Compassion kits. And these kits are just full of things that this home may need. 
and then taking from home to home, able to meet the individuals who live there and then bring them back to share Jesus with them. Last year that we went, hundreds gave their life to Christ. This is the craziest ministry. And guess what? You're a part of that. You might not even own your part of that. Every time you give to the bridge, you are doing good with your offering, with your giving, and you are helping us make a difference in a place where people are going, it's hopeless, it's over. Life as I know it is not worth living. And we walk in going, oh, let me tell you about him. He is hope for you. You partner with that ministry, maybe you didn't even know. Because fam, it's amazing. Toward, toward the very end of Matthew, by the way, kind of fast forward here. Toward the very end of Matthew, He's written about Jesus. He talked about Jesus. He's even shared his own story of how Jesus changed his life. He's just sharing story after story of Jesus, healing people, loving the people who you should never love, um, serving the people you should never serve, speaking in a way to people you should never speak to them, the down and outs, the, 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 the outcast, giving them life, giving them hope. And then Matthew records this one parable. And Jesus is talking about the end of time. The sand has run out. God takes the curtain away and we all see eternity for what it really is. And on this moment, Matthew records what Jesus says about those who did good in their lifetime. Here's what Matthew said in chapter 25, verse 34. Then the king, <laughs> the king, like one day we stand before the king. You go, which king? The king. That's why I didn't say a king, the king. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. How interesting. That for those who do good in their lifetime, in this lifetime, who are followers of Jesus, you stand before the king and you realize that the one you were actually doing it for was him. You were his representative on this planet. You were, when you spoke, his words. You were his hands. You were his feet. And he says, and when you were doing those things, you were blessing me. You didn't know it, but you were. And he says, whatever you did to the least of these, who are the least of these? When you read scripture, it's easy. The least of these are those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are lonely, those who are sick, those who are orphaned, those who are incarcerated. By the way, yesterday, um, we actually do a lot of ministry at Darrington Prison in Rocheron. It's the worst of the worst of the worst who are there. Many are in for life. There's no chance of them ever getting out. Yesterday was day with dads. It's one day to where these guys can spend with their kids. And six of you in this room actually went and helped do that. And then you're emailing me, oh my gosh, I couldn't stop crying. I need more Kleenex. It was amazing. 
I heard at the very end of the day, I wasn't able to go at the very end of the day, one of the kids stood up and all the volunteers there wore blue shirts. And the kids stood up and said, I just want to grab the mic. I just want to say something to all the blue shirt people. Don't you love the blue shirt people? Wouldn't that be great? We're known as the blue shirt people. That the blue shirt people, I just want to thank you for letting me see my dad today. The dads get to dance with their little girls. They have birthday parties that they've missed throughout the year. And little did the six people in this room maybe know that the person you really did it for was him. Not really them. Not crazy. The incarcerated, the naked, the lost. These are the least of these. Listen, I, and I want to tell you something. And I'm so serious when I say this. When I when I reading this text, putting those names, these are the these are the ones, God. These are the ones that you have put your heart on. These are the ones you've put your mind on. These are the ones that you have said, I'm just telling you, these people are important to me. I value them. I love them. And I'm looking for someone to go. The harvest, oh my heavens. But the workers, so many people just so wrapped up in their own deal. There's only a few. There's only a few who are going. I'm telling you though, what I love about the bridge, I really do believe, I really do believe that what we want to be known for and what we are known for, so close together. We're never gonna be right online because your campus pastor is so jacked up. There's always gonna be a little gap there, okay? Always gonna be a little gap there. But we, hey, 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 hey. But I'm telling you, I think we're doing amazing at loving the least of these, that you go, that you give, that you're so willing to be, to be ready to do what God wants us to do in making a difference in this world. I couldn't be more proud of you. But in case you're just jumping on with us here at the bridge and you're just visiting, I was thinking, how can you help us be a bridge of hope? How can you help us be a bridge of hope? And maybe this connects with you, maybe it doesn't. And maybe one of these, the first thing that you can do is just give encouragement everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, just give encouragement. Um, when my wife and I were uh, working at a church in Euless, Texas during seminary, the pastor, and I've said this before, I just want to say it again, pastor and a mentor to this day, Dr. Claude Thomas, he would get on stage at the end of the service and right before everybody leave, he'd say this, today, say a good word for God and a good word for his church. Say a good word for God and a good word for his church. Say a good word for God and a good word for his church. There is an international sign for people who need encouragement. Doesn't matter what continent you go to. Doesn't matter if you go to the jungles or you're in the streets of Houston, it doesn't matter. There's a universal sign for people who need encouragement and you can identify it. Do you want to know what it is? They're breathing. That's the sign. If they're breathing, they need encouragement. But you just say a good word for God, a good word for his church. Availability, availability. If there's one thing you read about Jesus, not only was he just infusing hope with his words, infusing hope with how we serve people, he was available for people. And when I say available, and we're going to flesh these, these things out uh, a little bit more in the next two weeks. When I say available, it's that there was never an interruption by anyone in his life. He was never too busy. And by the way, he was out to change the world. I don't know how busy you are with your schedule. Interruptions were never an interruption. They were always opportunities for him to be encouraging to someone, for him to bring hope to someone. He was available with everything that he had, 
We're going to talk about your availability because God doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability just to say, God, here's everything I have. Here's everything I am. If you want to use it to change the world, to be a bridge of hope, that's what I want you to do. The third thing that I wrote down is time. Time. You have to have time. We're going to talk about schedules. We're going to talk about how do you put into your schedule of whatever it is right now, and you want to make time for people because relationships take time. Mission trips take time. Giving encouragement takes time. Being available takes time. So we're going to talk about that. It's going to be a very, very practical next two weeks, but we're going to share more stories about what you are doing when you give. When you buy a shirt, every dollar goes back to the Do Good Ministry. You're changing people's lives around the world, and I want you to know I couldn't be more proud of you. And I'm so excited to share the stories that maybe you don't even know of the lives you're changing. So don't miss the next two weeks. Let's pray together before we go. God, thank you. Thank you, first of all, for Jesus, who is our hope. It's a person who came. It's a person who taught with authority. It's a person who showed us exactly what you're like. As our heavenly father, he was the bridge of hope for us to know you personally, to spend eternity with you. And God, I'm so grateful that um, you have tapped us on the shoulder to say, you're it. Now you're the bridge of hope to those in this community, to those in this state, in this country, and around the world. God, I pray that you would start working in our hearts now of how you want us for the next year to be a bridge of hope. God, our resources, our time, our availability, our heart, let us see people the way that you saw them. Let us have compassion on people the way that you had compassion on them. And only you can do that in our life. So I pray you continue shaping us and molding us and teaching us how to make a difference. Maybe one last time in this world that we could be a bridge of hope to others around us. In your name I pray, amen.